We're continuing on with this, uh, this sermon series called Hidden, about the different things that are in our life that we uh, may want to stay hidden. And today we're actually talking about the places where we go to hide. And it reminds me of the childhood game of hide and seek, maybe one of our favorite childhood games. As I got to thinking about this uh, game this week, it was interesting that I don't ever remember as a child actually playing hide and go seek. I don't ever remember that game. I think it's because that if people thought that um, maybe me and my friends would go hide, that they would never see us again. Maybe that's why they didn't allow us to play that game. I don't know. But um, when I grew up in, in church, we would play those church games. But we would play games like uh, Dodgeball and Red Rover. You remember those games? You know, the, the games that involved violence? Yeah, those are the games that I played as, as a kid. Um, it's not that uh, no one cared back then, but I guess it seemed like no one cared if you got hit in the ear by a red rubber ball or uh, that you were clotheslined by your best friends. Today, it seems like DCFS is called just because a kid loses hearing or loses consciousness. I don't get it anymore, but now we play safer games, I guess. I remember... Well, the first time I actually remember playing hide-and-go-seek was, was at kids' camp and playing hide-and-go-seek with the kids at camp. And then we played a version of hide-and-go-seek here at PFN when I was the children's pastor here, except our version was called Sardines, not hide-and-seek. Anybody know the game Sardines instead? Some of you do, absolutely. It's just like regular hide-and-seek, except... When somebody goes off and hides, everybody else seeks them, but when you find them, you stay with them. And then eventually all of you are, are kind of huddled together and the entire youth group is then hiding in some dark corner of the church and there's still a couple clueless people all walking around trying to find 20 of their best friends all huddled together under a table. But um, our fifth and sixth graders would go on a think big trip to some other district church and, and work there over the weekend. And the game of choice seems like it was always going to be sardines, that we'd always play that game. And it may come to us a surprise to you, but uh, I'm not the best hider in the world. Um, I don't know if you can see me behind this, uh, but I'm not the best hider here. So um, it's not like I can hide behind a pulpit or I can... Uh, and not be seen. So as the rest of the group all played sardines, I would use that opportunity to silently stalk around the church, attempting to scare our preteens as severely as I possibly could. That was my goal. I have to say one of my highlights, my absolute highlights of, of being in Kid Zone was making one of our now refuge high schoolers pee their pants when they were in sixth grade. And uh, if you know who this was, you can ask him about it later. <laughs> At the end of this game, uh, a few kids are always super upset because they didn't get the chance uh, to hide. It seems like everybody would rather be the ones hiding than the ones seeking. It tells me that as a, at, at an early age, we instinctively know the value that we have in hiding or escaping 
or avoiding. As a kid, we make a game of it, don't we? But as adults, we've made this into a lifestyle. As a result, there's a lot of hiding, and it seems like there's a whole lot less or very little seeking. Throughout history, we have learned that a lifestyle of avoidance is a lot easier route to take. And we love to avoid things instead of tackling things head on. I don't know if you remember last week, we said that the best way to to deal with our mental health is not to skirt around the issue, not to skirt around the problem, but to walk right through it. And I want you to remember that we are doing this all with one another's help. We are here with God tackling this issue right at the very beginning of the year. Lifestyle, you can write this down. Lifestyle, a lifestyle of avoidance has led to a lifestyle of false appeasement. Sometimes we appease others and sometimes we just appease ourselves. And, uh, If we do this to stay happy, then we just don't have to deal with the greater problem, right? If we just appease ourselves for the time being, we don't have to deal with what's underneath. It wouldn't take you a whole uh, lot of time to make a list of all the things that you probably avoid. Uh, Most likely for each item that you have on your avoidance list, you also have a partner list of things that you do so you don't have to deal with the problem, so that you don't have to deal with the temptation, so you don't have to deal with that mental struggle, so you don't have to deal with the emotion that comes with that. And if you want to avoid dealing with a broken relationship, we say the easier way is just to avoid that person, right? It sounds simple. If you want to avoid dealing with a bad habit, instead of dealing with the habit, isn't it a lot easier, we say, just to avoid the person who tends to call us out on that bad behavior? Or we think that the conversation that we're going to have is going to be uneasy, so we're just going to avoid the conversation altogether. On the other hand, the feeling of emptiness is not pleasurable. So maybe I'll just fill that emptiness with food or, or alcohol or gambling or whatever the vice may be, right? We think that the, or we do whatever it takes to make sure that we go through an easy life, as easy as we can. We love the life of ease, right? In other words, if you can just avoid a few things to keep the discomfort from finding you, you can stay hidden. We can stay hidden in our dysfunction instead. The ancient pagan people back in biblical times had a long history of doing this as well. And they thought that if they could just keep their gods happy, then they would reap the benefits of this happy God, right? For example, if their crops needed rain, they would do whatever it took to get the rain God to be happy so that he or she would send rain to them. And so these pagan people would gather around and they would have chaotic music and wild dancing and loud chants. 
There were other cultures that would have drum circles or they would have some sort of sexual acts that they would do. They would cut themselves. They would even sacrifice animals or fellow human beings all just to bring rain. Rain was very significant to them. The rain made things easy for them. A rain signified that they had a blessing from their God. And if their crops grew and if their crops flourished, that would bring not only enough food for them, but it would also bring financial blessings to the people. And so they would watch other nations as well. And if that nation had more rain, then they thought that it signified that that nation's God must have been happier with them than their God was. And so if your God didn't seem happy at all, then you just needed to beat the drums a little louder. Or you just needed to dance a little longer or chant a little louder or sacrifice more. So enter into this story, the ancient Israelites, the very people that God had already rescued out of slavery in Egypt and had, he had, they had just dramatically escaped persecution. They had been wandering around in the, in the wilderness there for a while and they were headed towards a promised land that God had given them. So you remember God had told all these people, all the Israelites as he rescued them out of Israel, that he would not only, or rescue them out of Egypt, not only would he rescue them out of persecution, out of slavery, but he would lead them to a land that he promised, a land that was full of milk and honey. And this story is found in Exodus chapter 32. So if you just go ahead and turn there, Exodus is the second book in the Bible. So if you open up to the very beginning of the Bible, you'll find Genesis. Page through it until you get to the book called Exodus. And that's where we'll be spending time today. See, when God summoned the leader of the Israelites, Moses, he said, hey, Moses, I need you to come up here to Mount Sinai and meet me with me for a little while. Uh, Moses had to leave all of the Israelite people behind and he left his brother Aaron in charge. And this wasn't just a small uh, little meeting between God and Moses. It took a long time. Days and weeks had gone by and people started to worry and panic started to take over. Where's Moses? Where's our leader? Where have we been abandoned? Is God not happy with us anymore? What's going on? And panic started to spread throughout the whole Israelite camp. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I imagine that, you know, maybe some people were sitting around the fire and they were telling stories and, hey, you know, I bet Moses... Oh, I heard that Moses, whatever the story was, and it started to spread and people started to panic and the worry started uh, to overwhelm people and the anxiety of the Israelites started to take over. And eventually the stories of what might have happened to Moses, eventually the stories of what might happen to the Israelite people got louder and louder and louder and more numerous. And the stories of what God had already done seemed to fade away in the background. I'm sure someone knew about the pagan festivals that were going around them. I'm sure somebody started talking. 
Maybe even off in the distance, they heard drums beating. Maybe off in the distance, they heard a faint cheer or screams. What's going on? Oh, those people are talking to their God. Really? Because we haven't heard from our God in weeks now. So why do they dance? Why do they chant like that? Well, you see, when they do that, their God becomes pleased with them and he sends a blessing their way. Oh, really? Well, our God seems to have forgotten all about us. Moses is missing. I wonder what would happen if we did something like that. And now, before we place judgment on these uh, people, we can't really blame them. Unfortunately, we still do this today. You and I do this today when worry and when panic starts to take over our life. It's, it's hard to reason, isn't it? It's difficult to think with the wisdom that the moment would demand when you're full of worry, when you're full of anxiety. How many of you have ever done something kind of half-baked, a half-baked idea when you're under stress? I think all of us probably have, right? Has anyone here ever made a bad decision when you're worried and anxious? <laughs> I know I have. So Exodus chapter 32, let's look at verse 1. Come, the people said, gathering around Aaron, you know, the one that's now in charge. Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So here's Moses, or here's Aaron. He's the interim uh, leader, and the people start surrounding him. They're literally starting to come around him like this mob, this, this gang of people is coming around him. Can you imagine what would be going through Aaron's mind at this point? As this people started to surround him. What's going on here? Guys, we have come so far. Would you look to see what God has already delivered us out of? We've been through so much together. Moses has led you for a long time. What are we doing? Can you imagine this new leader's heart of despair? I'm sure he wondered what? I don't know what happened to Moses either. He felt anxious. What's going to happen if he never comes back? Am I going to be in charge forever? What, what's going to happen? What then? And I wonder as that mob started to close in on Aaron, if he just grasped and he just kind of took hold of the quickest answer, the easiest way out of the situation for him. The easiest way for him to hide. I'm sure he wanted to hide. I'm sure Aaron wanted to run out of that place. I'm sure he wanted to get away from all of the, that mob of people and to hide. But there was no chance. So what is he going to do? How does he get out of this? See, Aaron did hide, but he hid right out in the open under the false appeasement of himself and his people. Maybe the only escape he saw was offering the people what they wanted. Was this the best way to hide? Or is this the only way to hide? Right out here in the open. So verse 2. says, Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings 
that your wives, your sons, and your daughters were wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, these are your gods, Israel, who, you brought, who brought you up out of Egypt. See, Aaron fell into what he thought was the safety of the lie at the moment. And he declared that the next day was going to be this great festival for this new God, these new gods before them. And the following day, God's people got up and they kicked off the festivities by offering burnt offerings and presenting fellowship offerings to this new God. And verse 6 says, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Now let me ask you, how did the people go from sheer panic one day to revelry the very next day? It's because that shining calf became for them a place to put all of their distress upon that. It became this golden opportunity to escape, to hide from the reality of what was going on. In truth, this golden calf was just this molten concoction of their anxiety. All it really did was represent all of the distrust that they had in God. And it represented their lack of dependence upon him. Now, we may think that they did something pretty stupid. We may think that they did something pretty irrational. We would have never done anything like that. But we do this all the time. As humans, we do it all the time. Instead of dealing with the pain that we're going through, we fabricate some sort of escape. Instead of dealing with our anxiety, instead of dealing with our depression or the loneliness or the empty, emptiness, we make up something else to deal with it for us. And we turn to something a lot less threatening we create for ourselves a counterfeit God, an idol. The author, the theologian Tim Keller puts it this way, that our idols give us a sense of being in control. We make sacrifices of ourselves to appease and please our self-created gods, believing in some manner that this invention will protect us. I'm sure if we look close enough at, at our life, you'll find those areas where you may have created a counterfeit, where you have made an idol of your, of your own making. I'm sure there are interior places where you hide. I'm sure there's vices that you have created just to soothe yourself away from the more challenging parts of your life. We do it all the time. We're worshiping idols all the time. We've created a golden calf for ourselves so it can carry all the things that we would rather not deal with in our life. All the stress, all the, the struggles, all our worries and our fears. 
We'd rather that golden calf carry away our shame, our pain, every unmet expectation in our life, every trauma, every sin, frustration, and failure. We want that golden calf to carry away our bitterness, our despair, maybe our questions about our self-worth. We'd love for that golden calf to take care of our future and help us to find a purpose. And so write this down. Instead of meeting with the difficult parts of life head on, we create for ourselves a short-term solution. Parents, maybe you've had one of these short-term solutions, maybe even this morning at your house. Watch this first video. Sure you didn't eat a cupcake? No. Hmm. I thought you maybe had a cupcake. No. No? No. Definitely not? No. Not like in the last couple minutes? No. No cupcake for Jack? No. Oh, okay. Hey Jack. Did did maybe, you Maybe uh you're like this next girl where the evidence is just overwhelming, but watch her face. Watch what she does. And did you go in the room with it, or he just ate it right there? He just ate it right there. But you didn't eat one? No. You sure? No. Okay. <laughs> How many times do we deal with things just like one of those little kids? Rather than to face the consequences of maybe the decision that we make, we make up a lie and we cover it up. And and. We invent some short-term solution instead of facing the facts. I remember when I was little and I was growing up, there was a lamp, uh, something like that, that was broken in my house. And for most of you, if something was broken in your house, you got to blame it on your brother or sister, right? I'm an only child. And so for me to blame somebody else, I had to hope that the dog was in the room at that time, right? And uh, so the lamp is busted, and my dad asked me if I knew, how did this lamp get broke? How'd the lamp break? I don't know. Lies. I was just lying. How many, how many of you parents have heard that this morning? How did this happen? I don't know. We probably heard it this morning, right? Most likely. So my dad uh, liked to use all this Jedi mind tricks on me when I was growing up, and and he said, now let me get this straight. You were just sitting on the couch, minding your own business, when the lamp suddenly flew off of the table and broke. Am I getting that right? And I said, yeah, that's exactly what happened, Dad. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Now, of course, Dad knew that I was full of lies. I wasn't telling the truth. That's not what happened. He knew the truth. And he, I knew that he knew the truth, Right? But no matter what, I was going to stick to that harebrained story no matter what. Because I thought that would get me out of trouble. You see, God does that for us too. 
It isn't like we're hiding anything from God. It's not like God doesn't know what you're trying to hide. It's not like God doesn't know where you're trying to go to hide from the pain in your life. He knows that our short-term solutions, he knows that the solution to our wrongdoings and our painful consequences, he knows all about it. But God never forces us to tell, uh, tell him the truth, does he? He never forces us because he already knows the truth. But yet he lovingly allows us to face the consequences of that broken trust with him. And when the time is right, God also allows us to experience the power of our confession and the beauty of his forgiveness. I was a terrible liar as a kid, but I'm 51 years old right now and I'm a lot better at it now than I was as a child. And before you think, oh my goodness, pastor has just told us that he is a liar. It's not, it's not I'm, like I'm bragging about my ability to lie. But all of us have developed that skill over time, haven't we? We've all done it. Uh, it's said uh, that to become an expert in something that you need to repeat it 10,000 times over. And by that time, you are considered an expert in whatever that activity or that skill might be. And so if you tell just one tiny little lie every single day, by the time you're 30 years old, you are an absolute expert in lying. Now you may be thinking, well, not me, pastor, I don't lie. Really? I bet some of you have lied to yourself recently. You said, oh, this one cookie won't make a difference. It's Sunday because calories don't count on Sunday, right? And then munch. Or something might be worse. This, this drink isn't going to hurt anybody. Oh, I can just do this later. Let me watch another episode of my, of my favorite show. Or I'm glad I'm not like so-and-so. I'm glad I don't have to deal with any of these sound familiar to any of us here? See, I think sin and thus the cover-up still show up in our lives more often than we want to admit that they do. So as an, as an adult, I can tell you that you have become increasingly better at hiding than you were as a child. Why? Because you've had a lifetime to experience it. See, because if any of you ate that extra cupcake, all of you are smart enough to do this and to get rid of the evidence, right? And as we get older, the risk of hiding behind that lie, or as we get older, the risk of hiding behind our short-term solutions get heavier and heavier and heavier. And hiding behind our lie or hiding behind that cover-up or hiding behind that idol that we have made for ourselves increases over time in the cost and in the complexity. It takes a lot of energy to maintain a secret, doesn't it? It takes a lot of energy to maintain a facade. Last week, I challenged all of you to recognize the, the triggers in your life, the things that, that kind of set you off. 
the, the things that uncover those potholes or the sinkholes that are in your life. But we need to remember that the trigger isn't the problem. It's what's that unleashed explosion that's hiding underneath when we get triggered. Now that's the real problem. We didn't recognize our triggers so that we can avoid them. We recognize our triggers so that we could see the chasm that has formed underneath it. As adults, the more that we have practiced hiding from our own truth, the more that we just seem to be guarding our potholes and our sinkholes. And we're kind of like putting up walls and keeping people away from anything that we would want to stay hidden. And the more we guard them, the deeper and the more hazardous those things are going to grow. See, I'm not here to judge you or to shame you in any way because I understand exactly who or exactly what you're up against. Whenever there's the slightest vulnerability, whenever we show even the slightest vulnerability, you and I have a predator that loves to prowl and pounce on us. And we have an enemy that is ready to take advantage of our weaknesses, an enemy that would love to short circuit the healing process or would love to get us to avoid healing altogether. And instead of being free, we become caught in an deeper or even deeper spiral of shame as we guard our shame as if it's something that we should be protecting instead of letting it out. We cover up our pain instead of allowing that pain to come to the surface so we can deal with it. Our enemy is a master of digging us into a deeper grave for ourselves instead of us dealing with our issues. Our enemy tells us over and over and over again, you probably heard this this week, you deserve to be happy, right? Oh, hide that sin. Oh, suppress those feelings. How would you ever be happy if you dealt with that stuff? See, he's always offering you something that on the surface looks really good, but in reality keeps you in bondage to him even longer. I want you to look at this ad that I found on the internet. Credit card with Chase Freedom. You can get what you want. You can have financial uh, freedom if you would just get this credit card, right? You can get what you want, why wait for it? This card is your freedom. What they don't tell you is the average interest rate for the Chase Freedom card is 19% interest. Chase has found a way to sell us financial bondage under a banner of freedom. The devil has sold us a line of goods and he offers you a way of happiness under a banner of avoidance. Stay hidden. It's so much safer to stay burdened with shame than to take a risk. Stay hidden, he says, because that sinkhole is a whole lot safer if we just keep it covered up. 
That's what he wants to tell us. And just like the Hebrew people who reduce God to this hunk of, of gold to soothe their anxiety, we find ourselves hiding behind our own idols all the time. We create them to avoid the hard work of healing. What feels good in the temporary is going to cause us a whole lot of pain in the long run. See, we've got our freedom card from the wrong place for too long, haven't we? That freedom card only gives us short-term hiding places. That freedom card from the devil only covers things up. The devil, our enemy, has never once, never once wanted you to heal. Jesus is the only one who heals. There is not one of us that has gone through our life unscathed. Every single one of us in this room are watching online have endured pain or betrayal or disappointments. Some of us brought it upon ourselves, right? And some of us are, are the legitimate victim of it. We may have been left behind. We may have been overlooked. We may have been underestimated and the wounds are real. And as much as we would like to say that time is going to heal us, potholes don't fix themselves. It may seem unfair for us to get to the end of, of this this morning without some great uh, true and tested fix for your potholes. It may seem unfair for me to say or not to tell you, well, if you just do this, then you'll be fine. Perhaps you think that we're leaving you hanging by starting to expose some of those hiding places in your life or the safe place that you avoid, that you go to avoid the pain. Yet the work here is first recognizing the problem. We need to think about what those potholes in our lives really are. We need to recognize the triggers that set them off. We need to expose the hiding place where our healing gets avoided. I found this this week as well. The city of Chicago has an entire department that all they do is deal with potholes. That's all they do. An entire department of employees that all they do is fill potholes. They even have a pothole hotline so that if you live in Chicago, you can call 311 and report a pothole in the city of Chicago. So this pothole division then makes a map of the worst potholes. You can go right now to the Chicago pothole tracker and look at a map and see all of the potholes that the city of Chicago has filled in this week. So actually here's a picture of it, okay? Now that doesn't seem like a whole lot of potholes, but each one of those, pot, each one of those little orange dots represents an entire city block where that team has filled up potholes. And if you would take your cursor and you hover over one of those orange dots, sometimes those tiny little orange dots represent up to 60 potholes in one dot. So why would I show you that? Because the city of Chicago would have no idea where to respond if people didn't report where the pothole was. That's the work that we're asking you to do this week. 
you are going to make a phone call. You're going to make a call into Jesus himself this week and report to him the potholes that he needs to start filling up. Instead of hiding behind some sort of self-appeasement where, where healing never happens, we're going to own up to them. We're going to admit them. We're going to bring what was once in the dark into the light. There's a different, couple different ways for, for us to do that today. I want to encourage you again to think about our remix classes where you have the opportunity to come and to talk in a safe place with friends here. So Pastor Cheryl has our remix class uh, for, at, for you guys at 1030 today. Or if you can't make that Wednesday night, Pastor Callie has the same remix class at 645 on Wednesday nights. We also have our communication card that I want you to go ahead and take out. I want you to go over a couple of these different next steps with me today. Maybe these are, are you, a ton of people marked down these next steps last week, and I pray that you've prayed through those, uh, all those triggers and things that we talked about last week. But this week, maybe these are some of your next steps. I will spend time this week in prayer identifying the issues that I've been hiding. What have you been avoiding? What have you been putting off into the back, hiding it so you don't have to deal with it? And maybe the next one is, I will spend time this week in prayer to discover what short-term solution I have used to appease the deeper problem. Have you started a habit have you started a habit of avoidance where you do this instead of dealing with what the actual problem is? Help God to identify those things for you. And also, I will seek out a trusted friend to expose what's hiding underneath. Folks, we're in this together. And you can call me anytime that you would need to call me. You can call anybody on our staff and we'd, be, we'd love to talk you through it. I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask our ushers to come forward and we'll go ahead and get ready to close and take our offering as well. I'm going to spend time this morning praying for you, praying for those places in our life where we might be hiding things instead of dealing with it. Those places in our life where we hide instead of heal. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, maybe some of us came into this room today and we realized, and as we have been talking today, we realize that behind us or beneath us is just this whole part of our life that we've kept hidden from you. Lord, we're not fooling anybody. You knew about all of that stuff existence a long time ago. And Lord, we've been, done nothing but to hide it and also to stop the healing. So Lord, we know that it's only when we let those things come to the surface. It's only when we come out of hiding. It's only when we destroy the golden calf, the idol that we've created instead, where we know that you will meet us, where we know that you will take those hurts and those hangups and those hideouts 
And Lord, you will do something with them. Lord, your word says that everything works together for good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing today and this week as we realize the things in our life that we have kept hidden, that you would use even those for good? Lord, I believe it can happen. And I I believe it can happen starting even today in our remix classes or later on this week. Lord, I think there can be conversations and phone calls that happen between our body of Christ here. Whether we're watching at home today or whether we're seated in this sanctuary, I believe, Lord, that the people that you have to help us are already here. They're already a phone call away. See, I believe, Lord, that there is a trusted friend in this room for everybody. There is a trusted friend that we know that we can come and say, would you help me with this? I've been keeping this hidden for too long and I need to heal. Jesus, today would be a great day to heal. And so, Lord, I would ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in the lives of all those that are gathered here today and are watching online at home as well. Lord, would you help them? Would you help them discover what's been hidden? Maybe we've kept it hidden so long that we don't even see it ourselves. Lord, this would be a great week for us to receive some healing from you. Lord, be with us as we go on our own separate ways, as we minister to our own families and to our friends. And Lord, when that phone rings, when that friend calls, may we just pause and say, Jesus, help me here. Give me the words. Give me the ability to help my friend or my family. And I know because you've done this for me so many times, I know that your Holy Spirit will show up. And in that moment, for both parties, there will be healing. Lord, you are a great and wonderful God. And so Lord, we thank you that you care not just about what we look like and what we offer to you on the outside, but you love us enough to care about what's on the inside. So Lord, help us this week to become the people that you want us to become. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Our ushers are gonna be collecting our uh, offering today. Thank you guys for serving us. I wanna take some time to to mention, if you would either look at your bulletin or uh, your handout, on the back of your handout is a list of some online counseling resources that if you feel like you would need a counselor or you would like a uh, professional to help you, that these are things you can do online. Now, why would we tell you online counseling? Well, it's honestly, it's because the in-person counseling around in this area is about eight weeks behind. So it would take you about eight weeks to get an appointment with a professional. Not saying it's not worth waiting for somebody in person. Maybe that's exactly what you need. 
But if you would like to talk with somebody sooner, there are ways to do this through the internet. Now, this is just a list here. We're not endorsing any of these in any way. There's just information for you. These are listed in order of uh, popularity, I believe. So it's not, not saying that one is better than another. Uh, the only one that I really know a lot about is BetterHelp at the top. And you can tell this service exactly what you would like. So if you want a Christian counselor, if you want a counselor that will use scripture, if you want a counselor that will pray with you, you can request that through at least that service. And so it's a lot more affordable than in-person counseling as well. I think it's time for us to realize that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And as we come to the start of this year where we all would like to go uh, to, the, to the gym and maybe to work out and get in better shape physically, let's do the same thing mentally as well. I love all of you guys and you are dismissed.